0: Welcome to Borderline Episode 10. Episode 10 of my podcast slash videocast, if that's what you call the YouTube version. Oh, it's on YouTube now as well. It's not just audio, my friends. You can actually watch me do this if you want to go and subscribe to Danny Buckler on YouTube. Also, subscribe to this podcast before you do a single thing. Hit the subscribe button. Wherever you're consuming this, it helps me with the algorithms and they are a bastard to defeat as I'm learning. What else can you do to support this cast? That's it. Subscribe. Leave us a nice review if you like. There's some lovely ones already. Thank you for everyone that's left one so far. I'm very happy about that. And um, how are you? Oh, it's a weird one, this. I mean, I've got, right, this, this, broadcast, this, this episode of BoardLine, as always, we start in the present moment because that is ultimately all that there is. All there is is what's happening now and everything else is an invention. And what's and right now I'm heartbroken. I'm not gonna lie to you, I'm not gonna give you the story. It's not the time or the place. Just had a bit of news at the weekend. It's broken my heart. Across the multiverse. An infinity of Danny Bucklers all cried out at once. As if <laughs> something Ah something Shattered. Apart from the one lucky bastard version of Danny Buckler where everything's worked out and he's now happy as Larry, there's one version of me in the multiverse where it all falls into place. And oh, to be that guy. But that's life, my friends. It comes at you hard and sometimes it hurts. But, you know, but it doesn't end. It keeps flowing, always flowing, always flowing. And I've been cheered up by a few things that have happened. Mainly, right, the main one being. Seeing the first photograph of Michael Keaton in the suit on the set of Batgirl. Oh, I'm so excited. But I can't even tell you. How... Right. Now, when I heard Keaton was coming back as Batman for the Flash movie, obviously, I'm excited. You're excited. Everyone's excited about that. But I had no idea he was going to be re- reprising the role in other milieu. He's also appearing in Batgirl. His role in the DCU. He's now the Batman, it appears. Him and Robert Pattinson, but they exist in two separate universes. So the Robert Pattinson Batman's out on his own, in his own world. And the multiverse version, the Keaton version, is the version we're going to get in the, the DC multiverse universe. The one the one that we currently know, which is going to have a big shift. The Flashpoint film is going to shift it all. It gets bloody complicated. For, I mean, Marvel's hard enough and Marvel's got a clear direction. Like Marvel's multiverse is hard enough to keep tabs on, but the DC one is a right bleeding mess. It's a, it rivals my own in terms of uh, not knowing what's what. But anyway, this is what's what. I saw that picture. Now I, I'm trying to temper my hope. I've been wounded recently. I've I've been kicked in the member berries by the Matrix resurrection. So I'm I am tempering everything with caution. That film let me down, man. I tell you. As a broadcaster, as a podcaster, of a certain age, a certain vintage, you couldn't tell from the video. I, I keep I, I, I keep my age a, a closely guarded secrets, for the for the reasons of I still want to work. But um, but I'm old enough to remember the Matrix, you know, and going to see it in the cinema and and it being that that experience, seeing that film for the first time. Oh, no internet then, you know what I mean? No, none of this, no um the stuff that the kids now enjoy, that film, seeing that, that that level of CGI for the first time, the effects, everything about it, but more importantly, the concepts, what it went into. I went with my best mate at the time uh, from college and uh, his then partner. And um, yeah, it was hot. What happened was we went to see it. We sat in the cinema, down go the lights. I vaguely know what it's about. I know it's a, a bit of a mind bending reality thing. I know that Keanu Reeves is in it. I know there's going to be some spectacular kung fu in the offering to rival my own that I practice in the morning in the garden. Oh, I'm very well versed in the ways of the white crane. Uh, you don't want to see that. The neighbours definitely don't want to see that. It's a wonderful thing to be out in that. I've got a little garden where I am now. It's a nice thing to be out there every morning, whirling through the white crane, imagining that I'm on top of the mountain, Feeling the breeze, a lone flute plays in the distance. Then as I come to pause and open my eyes, I return to reality where it's just me standing there in my boxing shorts and a dressing gown and the neighbours looking out of his window with a joint on looking at me like, what the bloody hell have I just watched? (laughs) I appear to live next door to a wizard with a very limited budget. But we were in the cinema and we got swept into them. I mean, I was so into this film. The second it started, all the what's real and beliefs and reality and all. Oh, that was my happy. It still is now. You may have noticed. And I didn't, I forgot I was in a cinema. Thank Christ, because man. So the, the central, the, not the central heat in the opposite of that. What's the opposite of heat? Cold, air conditioning. The air conditioning broke down in the cinema. We are all sitting there, but we were so into the film. We had no idea it happened. It wasn't until the end of the film, the end credits rolled, the lights came up in the cinema, that I realised I was literally sitting there like I'd been drenched, like I'd just done the bucket challenge. You know, like I'd been hosed down, sweat running down me, my hair flat on my head like that, like a pancake. We we're all just gasping for air, dehydrated, but we were so into the film, no one even noticed. The cinema did, we got a free ticket to see something else, but oh, that's how riveted I was. So I was all about The Matrix. I started reading about the philosophy of it, warriorship. I got into simulation theory, some of the things that have come up before on this podcast. Let me pause to sip my brew. Mm. That Starbucks eggnog latte carton is lasting, mate. I'm telling you, that stuff don't go off. I'm a month in and it's still sitting there. I'm less than halfway through. That is the best six pound I've ever spent. Six pounds for a carton of wonderment in my fridge. That just brings joy to any coffee. It's like Christmas every day around here. So anyway, I love The Matrix. The I loved it. Everything about it. The action, the choreography, the cast, the characters. Yeah, man. Then came them two sequels. Not so glorious. Didn't enjoy those at all. That was a long night in the cinema, mate. That was a shit. That Matrix 2. Having been promised all sorts in the first one. Having had the Oracle, Oracle, oh, we see glitches in the Matrix. They appear as werewolves, vampires, and supernatural phenomena. And thinking, oh, they're setting up something here. Matrix 2, we might see some of this shit. And then what we actually got was those two twins off the gardening program. It was weird. Those two twins, there was a gardening show on at the time, on, 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 on daytime TV. And the main gardeners were these two twins. And it turned out they're both kickboxing champions, but no one knew they were there as gardeners. And there they are in the Matrix. Whatever it was, the second one. The, the, you know what? That's how bad it is. I can't remember what the tags were. Matrix Revolutions was the last one. Resurfaced or whatever that. Rebooted. The Matrix, whatever the blood. The second one. The one with the bloody architect in. And one ear let down. You finally get to the heart of the Matrix to find out who's behind everything. It turns out to be Colonel Sanders in a suit that doesn't fit, sitting there so you can see his white socks. And then just does a speech that's supposed to explain what The Matrix is. And I remember the whole cinema literally starting to talk, breaking up. Like when he was doing that speech about what The Matrix is and the thing and what the one is and the this. The one splits into the two and the three and the four. And the whole cinema just started talking because they were bored. And normally, right, that incites me to violence. If someone's talking in a cinema, they're getting a curs- a cursory... They're getting a courtesy, shh. If it doesn't cease, they're getting a, quiet. If they still don't cease, they're getting a visit at about four in the morning. You know, I mean, I can't have it. Talking in the cinema, that ain't good. Don't do it. You've got pubs, you know. The cinema's mine. You've got pubs. Go to the pub. You've got friends. You're probably in a relationship. You've got stuff you could be doing. That old lonely man here, sit in the cinema and watch his film. But except for this Matrix film, when the talking started, I was just keen to turn around and join in because I was that lost with the thing. God, it was awful. Just boring. How can you make that boring? I tell you what, it smacked to me, those last, it smacked to me of we never had a plan for this. It's a bit like Star Wars. If you can imagine the Star Wars universe doesn't exist apart from the film Star Wars, that's it. Nothing else happens. There's no Empire Strike Back, Return of the Jedi, no prequels, no sequel trilogy, no, none of it happens. No Boba Fett, no The Mandalorian, no books, no comic books. Nothing else happens. Just that film gets made and comes out. That film is complete. You know, Darth Vader wears black because he's the main Stormtrooper. You know, there's no mention of him being a fallen Jedi in that film. All we know about Darth Vader is... We don't even know that Darth, Darth is a title. We think Darth Vader's his name. You didn't find out that Darth was a title for a Sith Lord until, you know, the sequels and the, prequ- the prequels, sorry. So the, the main baddie is Moff Tarkin, Peter Cushing. He's the main villain. He's apparently running the Empire. There's no reference to it. There's a reference to an Emperor, but he's never seen. So Peter Cushing is running the, the Empire, the Empire's main base is the Death Star, and at the end of the film, that blows up. And the only sort of open you know, that blows up, and at the end of the film, we see the Rebellion triumphant. And the only thing that sort of hints of more to come is we see Darth Vader's ship spin off, and we know that he's still alive. But when Lucas made that, no idea there were going to be sequels or a trilogy. You know, no, he probably had it in his head, but not in actuality, so Star Wars stands alone. The Matrix, the same, it stands alone. It begins, it ends, and It's brilliant. But I get the impression that it was more successful than they thought it was going to be. And then when the studio came back and said, "Can we have two more? What else you got?" And then the, the Wachowski brothers, sisters, the, the, the brothers. Then they've had a, they've obviously changed genders now. But um, when, yeah, like, <laughs> oh yeah, we got loads of it. Oh, we've got a, there's a script ready to go right here, in there, in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, oh yeah, and then. The bloody hell what are we going to do to fill this out? Lot of padding, lot of padding, and no werewolves. Not a werewolf in sight. Not a vampire in sight. Nothing. The only weirdness we get is the two twins from the gardening program, which is weird. If you knew the gardening program and you were watching it, you sort of felt, like, yeah, this this will be a glitch in reality. You know, if those two twins, oh, what's his name, Nick, Nick, the guy who does all that sort of hard, hard, handyman. Shows, oh, what's his bloody name? Handsome bloke. This is embarrassing. I did a show with him, I did a TV show with him, and I can't remember. It. Nick, um, he's a bloke, blokey TV producer. Know, the one, Nick, Nick, the blokey TV producer, presenter. I did a show with him. Oh, god, he hosted a pilot I was in. Nick, um, Nick, Nick, it'll come to me. Be like him popping up, though. Oh, well, there he is. There's Nick, the presenter. Can't remember his surname. But he's in the Matrix now. He's got a sword. Crap. Hated those sequels. Then I see the trailer for this one. I'm all excited because they use the song. dun 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 one pill makes you larger, and one makes you small. Oh, I'm loving it. The trailer's brilliant. It's a Keanu Reeves, but as he is now, looking at reality like, oh man, dude, what's real, what isn't in this trailer? Building, building, building. And as a man of a certain vintage, to see an action hero on the screen who is older than you, to still have someone older than you on screen kicking butt, or at least trying to when I saw the film, it's still nice to know. All oh, right. It's, you know, I mean, you can still headline a film at the age of because Keanu Reeves is 60, I believe. You can still headline a film of that nature at that age and it not look wrong. In fact, it looks even cooler. You know, I can relate to this. I'm loving this. And I'm you know the, 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 the trailer's full of good shit. And I am thinking this is exactly what I want. What's real? What isn't? I need this film in my life, especially after lockdown, and heartbreak. I need this film in my life. I need it. And I go and see it and it is absolute shite. I could not even make it. I just, I don't like, I didn't like it. I, it's one of those weird ones. You know, when you see a film and you don't like it, but you want to like it. So you're willing yourself to like it, but there ain't much there to like. I was praying, my trying to force my, it's not when I come out The Last Jedi, looking at my, me and my brother, both looking at each other going, yeah, wow, whew, wow, yeah. There there was some stuff in that, yeah? 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 I mean, I... uh, Then you're halfway into the car drive home. I didn't like it, did you? No. No, absolute shit. I mean, it was that. We came out of this the same way. Yeah! 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 If I wish hard enough, maybe I'll like it. Boring, man. There's a new Agent Smith in it who's not Agent Smith. So what's the point of making him Agent Smith? I mean, there's nothing about him that's agent smith so why make him agent smith why not make him a new character and and the bad guy that um in it the guy who turns out to be the villain i don't want to spoil the film if you haven't seen it but you know the villain reveal is like all right the bad is you know i want my bad i want it to be terrifying or interesting or, or malign and about not be like all right that twit that guy yeah that villain how do you beat him because it looks like a stiff fart might do it That guy. All right. Here's a challenge. How are we going to overcome him? Put one too many sugars in his tea. Not a good... So, yeah. So, you know, the the whole nostalgia thing. I've had a bit of a... You know, oh. Came out of it like that. Oh. I was thinking, oh, so that's why I'm totally trying to hold it back. Please, Michael Keaton, don't let me down. But then I see this picture on the internet. I'm scrolling through, as is my want. On one of the social medias, probably Instagram. By the way, follow the Danny Buckler show. Follow, follow this podcast on Instagram, borderline with Danny Buckler. That's where you need to be. Mm. And you can get busy and you can actually interact with me and stuff like that. And we can build this thing, this, whatever it is, brand. Brand. I don't know what I'm doing. Brand buckles. What's the brand? He just sort of sits there and talks. So I'm tempering my expectations. But this picture has just blown that. To, it's just him in the Batsuit. That's all it is. He's on the set. But just seeing him in the Batsuit. Seeing a 70-year-old Batman. The Batman of my youth in a bat suit. Oh, it don't get better than that. How long have I done? Let's check the timings. Oh, we're doing all right. It don't get better than that. Keaton's Batman again. Oh! He looks the same. I mean, the suit is obviously, it's an updated version of the suit if you've not seen it, but it is basically the 89 suit, but enhanced by the looks of things. Um, I later found out it's not the photograph. One of the photographs is in, one of them isn't. It's a stuntman. That was a bit disappointing, but there you go. I don't care. The point is I'm seeing the suit. I remember Batman 89 coming out. That was a big deal. I was very young then. The summer of Batman. I just started going into London on my own, but I was a teenager. I was very youthful. I had no business doing it. I mean, I'm very young, but I'm, I was dipping up there to go to the magic shops at the weekend, you know. And you could get into town, and it was literally like five quid got you a travel card, and you were into into London, and then you went to the magic shop, and you bought a few things, and hung out with the magicians all day. And mixed stories about that times to be saved for another episode. Some great, some not so great, but all all entertaining, all all all, all worth telling, I think but i was there the night that batman 89 opened now i was a bat i'm a bat fan at the level of my dna my first word on this earth was batman when i was a baby in the crib i'd be in there playing my mum and dad me and the batman tv series, the comedy series with adam west was on the tv at the time and i'd sing the theme tune you know in my and i'd scream if you try to turn it off i'd scream And she'd literally be like, you were too young to be watching it. It was weird. You were just sort of like a baby. But if I turned it off, you didn't like it. And then my first word apparently was, Batman, to the song. Oh, I'm Batman, mate. I'm team bat all the way. So that summer, I go into London. I didn't realise either. I went into London to go to the magic shops. I had no idea it was the premiere night of Batman 89. So I remember walking over, because I wouldn't do the tube. I was walking over Waterloo Bridge and the sky was streaked with bat signals. They'd set up bat signals in Leicester Square. I got as close as I could to it. But back then, a film premiere actually meant something. You know what I mean? So you couldn't get within a few feet of it. But So I never saw Nicholson or if he was even there or Keaton or anyone arriving. But it, it was a big thing to see those those bat signals streaking the sky. The only time I've ever seen anything similar was about two and a half years ago, just before Christmas before the lockdown, going to, going to meet my friend Dave. He was doing a show in the... On the South Bank, that circus one. Circus 1903, I think it's called. Anyway, he's the ringmaster in that. I went to see him and we were hanging out and it turned out they were filming The Batman, the new one. They were filming a sequence for that, which I believe you've seen the trailer. It's when he dives off that building with her. That building's in London. And um, they were filming that. And uh, I was tempted to go and watch but I thought, you know what, nah. <laughs> I'd just be standing in the... It was cold, it was rainy. i just be standing there to get a glimpse of nothing. Like those nutters that you see. Looking for a glimpse of Colin Farrell in the penguin suit. But Batman 89 was an extraordinary... I never got to see the film until much later on. It was the first... Um, you could buy it on VHS for a tenner. They just started... It used to be that films came out on VHS and you could rent them. But they were like £80 to buy those rental tapes for the, for the stores. To give it six months, it went into the shops for a tenner. But Batman was the first one to come out simultaneously for rental and for purchase. So I bought it for Christmas for myself with uh, voucher money from my granddad. So that's when I watched it, finally, with my brother. And I know, man, this was the moment he became a, a geek, a sci-fi, a fan of the things that we're both a fan of. This was the moment it happened. I saw it in real time. He was slightly too young for the film, but he was enjoying it. But like he was also that age where the scary bits actually scared him. But, you know, he was a little, little man little toddler but he was enjoying it and I kept saying let me turn this off and he was like oh no I'm liking it and it was the moment when uh, Jack Napier has fallen into the acid We're in the film presumably to his death but he hasn't and you see that hand come out of that water outside Axis Chemicals the white hand of the Joker comes out in a torn glove and that affected my brother like he was like oh like his brain made the connection, he's the Joker now, the, that's how he becomes the Joker, it was like his brain making his connection, there's a bigger story, that's how this man becomes the Joker, and it links. that's how he links to Batman, because Batman is responsible for him becoming the Joker, but later in the film we find out that, the Joker is responsible for him becoming Batman. So there's this kind of, and his brain was making there's relationships between these characters that extend out. And now I saw it all happening in his head, like, oh, I'm loving this. And that's now he's a lifelong, you know, fan and expert of gaming and wrestling. And it all came from that moment of that the Joker's hand coming out of the out of the water. I'm Batman. Hmm. An improvised line, by the way, by Keaton. That scene on top of the roof when he, "Who are you?" "I'm Batman." It was improvised. That line was supposed to be something else in the script. It was something like, "I am vengeance," or "I am the night," or "I am the Dark Knight." It was a, it was a mouthful. there had several goes at it. "I am the Dark Knight." A mouthful. It's too much to say. Like, "I am the spirit of the of the night." "Who are you?" "I am, I am many things. It depends who you ask." You know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a to some, I'm a you know pain in the ass, I'm sure, but to others I'm a friend. But to you, I am the. Di- it was a real mouthful, and then Keaton just just looked at the script and went, well, "Why don't I just go with something," and in the moment just went just to go with the obvious. So, Who are you? I'm Batman. That's it, simple, and an easier bat voice on the throat. I'm Batman. You know. Christian Bales hurts. Where's the trigger, man? I don't know. Where are the drugs going? I don't know. I swear to God. Swear to me. That would test a man. Keaton taking it easy. Just a whisper. I'm Batman. That's enough. There's no need for any effort. I know what I'm doing. I'm Batman. I'm trying too hard. I know. (laughs) Turn it down a little. Batman. Patson seems to have turned it right down, just doing his own voice in a whisper. We'll wait and see how that works in the film. Affleck went with a a warbler. A kind of a voice distortion thing. I thought she was with you. Is she with you? I thought she was with you. And that's the moment that brought Wonder Woman to the world in Batman versus another film that's going to get its own kicking on here. Hmm. I did like Batfleck as well. though. He grew on me. I remember that casting being well pissed off. I saw they announced it. Ben Affleck is Batman. I was like, what? Affleck? You know, oh, here we go. Usual suspects. I oh, wanted someone new and fresh. Affleck grew on me, though. The films didn't. He did. I mean, the films are rubbish. But him as Batman, I mean, he's the most Batman. He looks like Batman. He thinks like Batman. He trains like Batman. You know, he's got the tortured psyche. Everything is perfect about him. Apart from the killing, Batman don't kill. Two rules, no guns, no killing. This Affleck's Batman clearly does murder. And it's not just killing, it's with intent. He goes out to kill. Oh, don't get across. He's he's Charles Bronson in the Death Wish in a Batsuit. Keaton kills as well. You know, let's not pretend that doesn't happen. Keaton's not perfect as Batman. He's still one of my favourite Batmen, but he's not perfect. You know, he still can't move his head. He still does murder. You know, he still tucks a bomb into a clown's trousers, smiles, at said, clown, then he butts him down a shaft to blow up. That's not the Batman that I've. That's not the. No guns, no killing. How about chucking some dynamite down someone's trousers and pushing them down a mine shaft? That's fine. And you're okay with uh, catching somebody in your exhaust of your Batmobile, like a flamethrower, and leaving them screaming and burning, you know, fully on fire. No way they're going to survive that, and they'll die slow. That's fine too, just no guns, no killing. That is killing though. Yeah. You uh you could say that. Seeing him in the bat suit, seeing the silver hair on him. Oh, wonderful. I'm so excited. He's appearing in the flash, he's appearing in Batgirl. Can't wait for both. Can you imagine the first time in that film when he says, I'm Batman, they're going to build up to it, aren't they? It's going to be built up to. You'll see him as Bruce Wayne first and then you'll eventually see him in the suit and the Flash is going to go, who are you? And he's going to say, I'm Batman. And that cinema is going to explode, my friends. And I cannot wait. So, my friends, there's your borderline. Uh, subscribe subscribe to the YouTube channel subscribe to this podcast tell your mates don't keep it a secret I know you find something cool you want it for yourself and I'm, that's I understand that completely but you know life is sharing don't be afraid to share this on the socials and um, I will see you on the very next borderline be well my friends <laughs>